Tom. Hey, Julia. Can I tell you something exciting? Always. Can I tell you about my new awesome headphones? I'd love to hear about your new awesome headphones. Okay, so they're made by Studio. They're the Regents, and they rock my world. They block out all of the external sound in my house, including four very large children. I mean, I put them on, and I feel like this is what people that don't have kids feel like. It's a sublime experience. Let me also say that they're comfortable. They're super stylish. Like, I can wear them out, and... I'm not worried about what they look like on my gigantic head. And they're wireless in addition to a wired option if I want to stay plugged in. They hold a charge forever. And the sound quality, I'm super happy with. Are you jealous? I'm totally jealous. That's so cool. How can I get some? So you can go to studiosweden.com and use the promo code TISAPOD for 15% off your own pair of awesome studio headphones. I would suggest trying the Regents. They're fantastic. But there are other kinds if you want to try ear pods or uh, athletic wear type. Those Regents sound perfect for me. Is there any way I can get free shipping? You know what is the best thing? What's that? Whether or not you use that promo code, you get free international shipping. Whoa! Um, so, y'all go out there, get yourselves some studio headphones, and you'll be as happy as us. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic! Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And it's Christmas Day, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. You know, our job, I feel like our job is, we can just phone it in this week. Our job is to keep the Christmas spirit alive. We literally could do nothing today and we've met our goal. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody listening is probably having just wonderful experiences today. I feel like once they start listening, they're already happy. Right. Probably spoiled to death by Santa Claus too, guys. Oh, I'm sure. Because all of our listeners are on the nice list. That's right. All of them are. To quote the movie we're about to cover, I guess they're all pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> what movie this, is that, Anthony? <laughs> well, Tom, since you asked, this week we're covering the 1970 Rankin Bass classic, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. So why don't you give us a plot synopsis, Tom? On his way to deliver letters to the North Pole, the mailman, S.D. Kluger, decides to relay the origins of Santa Claus by answering some of the most common questions that children have about the big man in red. 
I'm really excited and nervous to do this movie because when we did Rudolph a few weeks back, it didn't turn out the way I think any of us expected it to turn out, watching it with a critical eye. So I'm really excited to delve into this film with you guys. But before we do that, I want to hear about your histories with this movie first. So Julia, why don't you start us off? So this is one of those that I can't remember the first time I saw it because I know I was most definitely very young. So I I don't see it every year, but it is one of those that if it happens to be on, then sure, I'll sit and watch some of it, maybe in its entirety and maybe not. Um, There is definitely a nostalgia attached to this movie for me. So about you, Tom. Like you, I don't remember um, when I first saw it. I don't think as a kid I sat down and watched it in its entirety. And I don't know the last time that I, again, that I have seen it um, in its entirety uh, before tonight. But it's one of those, if it's on, I'll watch it. I'm, I know all the music. I can sing along. Uh, I do like the, uh, that's one thing I do like about the Rankin-Bass movies. The, the music is what really gets me. Anthony, I know you're a big fan of this movie. What's your history? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this movie. Like you guys, I don't remember the first time I saw this. It's one of those films like The Grinch and Charlie Brown and Rudolph, which we've covered, that I just remember watching every year growing up. And I still try to watch it every year in my life now. Um, Growing up, this was always my favorite um, Rankin-Bass film to watch, actually. Whether or not it still is, we'll get into So let's jump into the overall plot, including the direction. It was directed by, like all of these movies, Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. Um, It was written by Romeo Muller, and the music was done by Maury Laws and Jules Bass, who did the lyrics. So just comparing it to Rudolph plot-wise real quick, I don't know how you guys felt about it. But I felt that as an overall story, it holds up better than Rudolph did as an overall story in terms of the stuff they... I mean, obviously, both of these films are based on songs, so they had to add a bunch of extraneous stuff to pad out into an hour. But I feel like they did a better job with this film than they did with Rudolph, and I'm not sure like what your guys' thoughts are on that. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think it was... I think they did a better job with the story. Still still a little acid trippy, but not to the extent for me that Rudolph was. <laughs> well, I think somber, somber Town itself kind of uh, pulls back on the acid trippiness because it's so gray and well, dull looking. They, but There are still some moments. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it works better. What really works better for me with this story are the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. They're just more of what I would expect. Yep, and I'll I leave would, that there since I think we're going to go deeper into that later. But um, that's yeah. what really makes it hold up for me more so. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's interesting. All of these Rankin-Bass films take place in the same continuity. So you're supposed to believe that Chris Kringle and Mrs. Claus in this film eventually grow into the Santa and Mrs. Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, really? Yeah, they're all within the continuity. And in fact, there's a credit. Um, if you watch the credits of this film, there's somebody's job on all of these movies is the continuity between them. 
And I would say they don't often do the best job when watching them all back to back. But um, yeah, it's all the same universe. Rankin Bass was doing the connected universe long before Marvel did. Right. Yeah. It, that. Yeah. I don't. I never in a million we in, in a million years not knowing that, or if I had not known that, would have connected this Santa to skinny legged mean Santa in a million <laughs> years, or the eat Papa eat with this one. I just there's no connection to me there let's talk about santa because he is the rest the the rest of the plot the plot is how chris kringle or baby orphan claus becomes santa claus i think one of the reasons this film was one of my favorites growing up and maybe still is you'll have to find wait until final thoughts it's uh i always really liked the explanation like this is why he comes down the chimney this is you know why he has a red suit this is how he got his name all of that stuff and i think watching it again i just watched it a few hours ago i think a lot of it still holds up for me i would say the only thing they explained in this film that i'm like uh is the seals taught him to laugh because nobody has to learn to laugh but I let it slide. <laughs> well, I think uh, hashtag ginger claws is precious. Ah, oh, I was going to make that joke and I forgot all about it. I was going to be like, just to annoy you, I was going to be like, the only thing I, the only criticism I have is who'd <laughs> ever believe Santa Claus would be a ginger? <laughs> oh, goodness, guys. <laughs> I love gingers. I know I we've talked about that, but. <laughs> I'm a big fan of gingers. Well, Santa's gingerness worked for me in this movie. Yeah. Well, Santa overall worked in this movie. I like seeing him him his physical development and, and progression throughout the film was fun to watch. Yeah. Um Mickey Rooney, I mean just classic voice that everybody's gonna recognize. Right. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Chris Kringle is aka Santa Claus is done by Mickey Rooney. We didn't mention that. He did do, and he followed up with two other Rankin Bass Santas. He was the one in The Year Without a Santa Claus, and which other one was he? Uh, he was in Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Oh, all right. Makes sense. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Santa character in this one. Um, I also like whether I buy into all of the explanations of how Santa got, you know, how Santa became Santa. I enjoyed seeing it. And I enjoyed a movie that's intent was to explain how he became Santa. And I also liked the, the commentary over the whole thing um, with Fred Astaire's character, the mailman, oh. and the kids' voices. Right. The kids' voices constantly saying, oh, that's how that happened. <laughs> I've always enjoyed that very much. So com- just real quick, the Santa Claus, obviously, I gave that film a 10 with Tim Allen. And, I, and yes. part of it was, oh, this is a Santa origin story, too. I buy into this one a little more, maybe because it's a lot less cynical. Like, I like that the, you know, elves raised him rather than um, entrapped him into a con- lifelong <laughs> contract of servitude. <laughs> that is my idea of how Santa works right there. <laughs> Both are still better than losing a curling match, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> Totally better. <laughs> I really like the balance the writer struck with the Santa Claus and Mickey Rooney portrayed through his voice, making him at once like this kind of tough guy, but at the same time really sweet and compassionate. 
because I've mentioned before, my perfect Santas are the ones who are a little bit intimidating, but are still approachable. And I think they nailed it with this one. Mm-hmm. Although, and we'll get to this when we get to the music. Mm, he did creep me out at one point during this film. That's oh, yeah. going to lose a lot of points for me. I'm going to be honest. Yep. And I'll, I'll explain that when we get to it. But uh, if you look at the, 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 the universe of Rankin Bass, especially if you compare this Santa with the Santa from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, not only do I wonder what happened, you know, like, like Netflix had that thing, who hurt you? <laughs> did you guys see that? <laughs> they said to yeah, whoever's, yeah. Watched, whoever's watched The Christmas Prince every day for the last 12 days, who hurt you? That's what I want to ask Santa here. Who hurt you, Santa? <laughs> Um, because we, we've got a completely different person and it's not where I would expect Santa to go, but I have to remind myself that Rudolph came first and this Santa mm-hmm. came later. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything about this Santa, even when he's young, even when he's got the bright red beard, the bright red uh, hair, everything about him is much more uh, endearing to me. And I think a lot of it goes to with the voice, just this Santa, this Santa, or Mickey Rooney sounds like Santa. Santa from Rudolph does not sound like Santa to me. Right. I know you said that <clears throat> Rudolph came first. I did. It came out a few years beforehand. Um, but they clearly intended this to be the origin story of that Santa Claus. I mean, they say in the film this came first when the kids are counting down the reindeer and they are about to say mm-hmm. Rudolph and he, uh, the mailman mentions that's another story that comes later. Right. right. So I, was almost, I almost kind of feel like this was their way of almost retconning that aspect of Rudolph a little bit, because if you look at Santa in a year without it, well, he's kind of depressed and miserable in that one. But if you look at him in Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, he is much more like this Santa than he was the Rudolph Santa. Right. So I don't know. Maybe they realized Santa needed to be a little more uh, jovial. (laughs) We also have the Winter Warlock, played by Keenan Wynn, and he is the evil mountain wizard who ends up having a change of heart and um, ends up teaching Santa a lot of his magic. Now, his I like his character, and it didn't bother me that Santa obviously had to learn his magic from somebody, but I could see why it would bother some people. So curious to see what you thought about that. I can't. I love it. Um, he just reminds me, uh, you know, after his, his change of heart, he reminds me of a happy... Uh, Gandalf or uh, uh, <laughs> Professor Dumbledore character to me. Um, I know that I know the costume does it, but just the way he takes him under his wing and he begins to, you know, help develop him the same way that those two develop the hobbits or develop Harry and and his friends. I felt I liked him from the get go, even when he was mean. I I I still liked him. What about you, Joya? Yeah, I mean, so the idea of him is part of the acid trip quality of these movies where I'm like a wizard and Santa but <laughs> saying that, I his character is pretty precious to me especially after he has his own Linus moment so to speak um, I, his how he seems just very concerned about when he loses his magic and all he has are these bits of corn and they're only going 
that if you have reindeer nearby. He just, he's very pragmatic in the way he talks, and that always made me laugh because it's not what I expect from a wizard. <laughs> so I really like him. He's super sweet to me. He's very acid trippy for me in the sense that he's just there. Like he clearly just appeared one day because the elves used to be able to deliver toys on their own. And then all of a sudden this guy moved next door on the mountain and they couldn't pass him anymore. So, <laughs> but um, I know I, I get it. They don't want to, you know, expand it. They were keeping it simple for children. They didn't need to give sure. him a reason for why he lived there or why he was so... Dinner. I totally get that. And I know later we'll probably discuss viewing this as an adult versus viewing this as a child. Right. <laughs> I will also talk uh, all the music later because I do want to yes. single out each song briefly. Um, so besides the Winter Warlock, we also have Santa sidekick Topper the Penguin, who in the original airing of this film had the name Waddles, I believe, and then they changed it in future airings. Huh. Uh, yeah, Waddles. When it originally aired, the Penguin's name was actually Waddles, and then in the early 1980s, it was changed to Topper. Nobody knows why, but weird. Interesting. But, I mean, he, was ser- he served as a cute animal sidekick. I liked him. I thought he was flipping adorable, to use a phrase of Julia's. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> but what about you guys? Did you like him? He was cute. He was. He was cute. That's I could, I could, right. I could see him walking into. Uh, I could see him being one of the little. Uh, I just see a connection between like him and the Arctic puffin from Elf. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know uh, if I'd like him as. Mu- I don't know if I'd like him as much without Elf, but but with that in mind and knowing that Elf drew heavily from Rankin Bass, it it endears him to me a little more. I liked how I liked Santa's relationship with him in general. I liked how close Santa was to animals in this film. Because that was that's a thing that's one of the things I always just felt about Santa in general. He should be close to animals. Like if he's getting into houses and people have pets, like Santa's a friendly guy. I always picture he'd Yeah. Yeah, he's very snow white in this one. Yeah. White quality to him. Especially when he goes like scaling the tree. When I was watching that, I'm like, he is just like straight up running vertically up that tree with his animals. I like that he gave, he gave himself up to save Topper, though. Like, I thought that was very cute. And he gave himself up to the Burgermeister Meisterburger, who was also played by Paul Freese. So he did Topper and the Burgermeister's voices, and he also did the voice of the news person at the beginning, the voice of Grimsley, and the Kringle brother. So this guy did, like, quadruple duty in this film. Can anybody say or hear their name, Burger Meister Meister Burger, without laughing? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I heard it, I had to double check that I heard it right. I even remember as a kid being like, is that his name? Or did I hear it wrong? Well, Meister Burger would be his name. The Burger Meister's a title. Oh, so he's Mr. Meister Burger? Yeah. Who has the title of Burger Meister? Burger yep. Meister, yeah. He's a, what is it, like a lawmaker? Basically, well, they don't call like the King of England King Franklin. I mean, but like, like King is his first name. Still in uh in in Germany, these these Burgermeisters. That's that's the title of of. I guess they're like governors now, mm-hmm. like a city governor. Um, and so oh, they I do. They still call them. No, they still do call them Burgermeister <laughs> in in Germany. It's a history fail. 
Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I actually I liked his character. I mean, as a villain, I thought he was an effective villain. I hate him as much now as I did when I was a kid. <laughs> he's but very mean. I, he no, he's mean. I don't. I mean, but I liked. <laughs> I like to hate him. Yeah. He yeah. He's silly. I like this. I liked the purpose he served. That like it was kind of because of his ridiculous laws. You know, Santa's hiding had to improvise and hide toys and stockings and come down the chimney because he's a literal outlaw. Like I liked that aspect. That Santa started out that way, and it was kind of because of this guy. In this film, there's so much left over from World War II and the anti-Nazi hate, but all of the bad guys in it are speak with German accents and they're all in Germany, but all the good guys and the elves, they don't have that German accent. They're, they're, they're clear English, which I find really, really funny. It's very obvious. And even the kids in this town who go to the, you know, in the, and, and, and at the school, they all speak perfect English, but all of, all of the Nazis, you know, I know. uh, Yeah. I don't know how you guys watch this film, but if you watched it on Freeform. They cut out a scene, so I don't know if it was in your version or not, where the Burgermeister burns all the toys in town belonging to the children. They cut it out because they felt it's too traumatizing for younger viewers, so they cut out that scene and a few other ones they consider most traumatizing, but that's the one in particular, the biggest one they cut out. Interesting. I don't think I saw that scene. I did see that scene. And um, ABC, if you watch on ABC, cuts out two of the songs we'll be discussing in a few minutes. So Thank God. <laughs> There's your hint. Um, a side note on Burgermeister's voice, Paul Freese. I know him best as the voice of the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World. He does that voice? He does a lot of those voices. Yep. That's awesome. He's the, one, he's the face that you see on the... The little headstones. He's the singing headstones. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's cool. Wow, that's cool. I, I'm a big fan of Paul Freeze. What a cool his, guy! Just not his burger meister, Meister Burger. <laughs> so, did you guys like like S. D. Kluger, the mailman here, or Sam the Snowman as a narrator more? Burl Ives or Fred Astaire? As two different, those are two questions. I'll say. I liked the concept of the mailman more than the snowman because it felt more natural and organic to me that a mailman is answering these questions children have written in the mail about Santa Claus. So it felt more natural to me, like as part of the narration of the story. So yeah, S.D. Kluger. How about you, Julia? I think Sam slightly edges out the mailman for me. Um, Really, I, I very much enjoyed both of them. For different reasons. So I like the I like the movement and the the spirit and the dancing and the excitement of uh, the mailman, but just Burl Ives' voice I think yeah. puts Sam over the top for me. And I, I do like Fred Astaire, but I, I I go back to to Sam's voice all the time. I think I wish Burl Ives had had narrated this one as well. Well, see, see if I. Uh... Didn't like Sam the Snowman at all, as I said in the Rudolph episode. I didn't like his character. I liked the voice, and I loved his, um, you know, the so- Holly jo- a Holly Jolly Christmas. I felt as a narrator, he was weak to me in that film. But, um, yeah, so 
we only touched briefly on the SD Kluger. He's great. Fred Astaire was great. Not as good as for lives to you guys, but I thought he did well for what was asked of him in this film. Oh, he did. He did great. They both did. Um, <clears throat> we also have Jessica, the school teacher, who later becomes Mrs. Claus, uh, voiced by Roby Lester. And uh, I think we didn't cover this movie, but I think the Santa Claus 2 took some inspiration from her character. She was absolutely principal headmistress. Yeah, principal. Yep. yep. Even had yep. her hair up in a tight bun and like reprimanding Santa when he came to town before she knew he was Santa. To this day, Jessica freaks me out. She freaked me out when I was a kid, and she still freaks me out today. But she's I- a ginger. She is, but it's not the ginger that freaks me out. It's her eyes and, like, the shape of her face. And oh. oh, never, fu- ever been a fan of Jessica. Plus, Jessica is a terrible name for Mrs. Claus. Now you know how Jessica. I felt about Santa's eyes and Rudolph freaking me out. <laughs> I don't know. There's a difference for me, and I can't put my finger on it. But hers are super freaky to me. I like I how she like looks the at the end when she's like an older woman with Santa and he's an older man, like when she's white hair and bigger. Not mm-hmm. that you saw much of her at that point, but I mean, yeah. from what I saw. Yeah. And Jessica's little musical number, which I'm sure we're going to get to is. I was about to say that's the most acid trippy part. The most acid trippy part in the entire <laughs> No clue what was going but on we'll, there. But we'll, get, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. What did, what did you think of her overall, Tom, the character? I felt about the same way for her as I felt for the principal in the Santa Claus 2. I was not a fan, did not like her at all. She was everything I would have hated in an educator and would have turned me off from school so hardcore. But by the end, I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, I think that's her arc, right? Santa right. That it, it definitely is. It definitely is. And I, like I said, I like her by the end. No, I liked her, and um, I liked that she, uh, you know, she and everyone else in town kind of avoided this really colorful guy in red who just came in talking to children and giving out toys. She was the only one who really had the guts to go up to him and say, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you wearing that? Why are you wearing that? You're so critical. Uh, he, he was breaking the law and he was going to get all those kids in trouble in fairness <laughs> the only other main character in this film is Tanta Kringle voiced by Joan Gardner who was the queen elf I think they referred to her at one point as um, and she was the only female elf in that whole gaggle of elves and uh, she was the one who primarily raised Chris Kringle mm. I liked her and I really found her moment really sweet when she gave him the claws name tag he was left with. And that's, mm-hmm. he adopted that name for, I really liked that moment. But I, I really her loved role. her. I loved her. She's that warm grandma that we all want to run to for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Did not oh, like the Kringle. Kringle brothers at all. You didn't? D- Dingles, Dingle, Wingle. Yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like the names. Their voices, the first time I heard them, like, I remember turning me off, especially when I rewatched it, right, after not having watched it and focused in a while. But, like, I like the little faces. I like all their little cute little faces. I think they're cute. <laughs> they, they, were, they, were, they were very, uh, the designs of them were very cute. Much cuter I than really Rudolph Santa. But, yeah. <laughs> he was also very cute. <laughs> 
So let's move on and talk briefly about the musical numbers really quick. So the first one we have in the film is the first Toy Makers to the King, which the Kringles sing to Chris when they explain why they make toys and how they used to be the best at it in the country. And uh, just to couple it together, the second song in the film is No More Toy Makers to the King, which the Burger Meister, Meister Burger sings when he's um, after he slipped and broke his foot on a toy and he's outlawing toys. So um, his funny bone in his foot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I find both of these songs really catchy. I just really do. There's something about the simple melody in them. But I'm not going to lie. I kind of like the Burgermeister version more than the Elf version. I do too because of the voices. <laughs> yeah. Even with the German accent going on. Yeah, no, they're really catchy. And I liked the, um, the visual of the books. So the visual in the books as they're telling the story. I always liked that a lot too. That was always fun. On to uh, the third song of this film. Uh, I think, oh, it's definitely my least favorite. And I think it's probably the one we'll all take issue with. And it's probably the most controversial in the entire film. It's uh, Be Prepared to Pay, a.k.a. If You Sit on My Lap today which chris kringle sings when he first gets to town and is trying to convince the children he's a good guy who just wants to give them toys and they should behave so he can give them toys this is a grooming for a pedophile in the making (laughs) yes i'm sorry come here little boy sit on my lap give me a kiss and i'll give you a special present yeah kiss kiss my cheek oh it was very it was made me very uncomfortable it still makes me very uncomfortable yeah Super creepo. Big you know, time creepo. Like, I mean, in fairness, I don't know. Let me pitch this to you because you two are writers who are like I want to be. If you were doing an origin of Santa film or coming up for why he does all this stuff, why would you ever have him be like just children go to sit on his lap though? Like this old man. I would just have a kid run up really excited and jump up in his lap. Just but, but if you're doing the first story of Santa ever, like why? So have him sit down to, 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 and have his bag open at gifts and just have a kid come excitedly, sit in his lap and tell him what he wants. That I works. think it's natural. I mean, you have, you have little kids that are very open and affectionate uh, with people. Unfortunately, well, I think most kids probably are at some point, but you have to teach them boundaries like today at the post office i had to tell ellie she couldn't touch some man's butt and she was not very happy about it (laughs) but you know you have to teach them boundaries um and this song kind of smacks in the face of of my parenting style too like we don't tell ellie we don't make ellie give grandparents or anybody hugs or kisses she does it because she wants to we teach her that she has a voice and her body is hers and she does what she wants and this you know teaches kids to bend that and i'm not a fan at all that's why I, i don't know when or if i'll watch this with my daughter yeah. Because of the song. Yeah, the song is I what's funny is I don't remember this song when I was a kid, really. So it's definitely that, that So it may have been because you were watching it on ABC, because this is one of two songs ABC always cuts out. Not because of the content, but because like every Christmas special they want to squeeze in as much commercials as possible. So right. this is one of the ones they cut out. I agree with it well, this time. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather watch a commercial than Santa Pervin on kids. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, I I really hate this song. <laughs> I really do. I'm not a fan. Uh, then we have put one foot in front of the other, 
which Chris Kringle sings with the Winter Warlock and Topper when the Winter Warlock catches them, and Chris melts his heart by giving him a toy. And it's basically the you can change if you put your mind to it song. And I find this song really fun. It's catchy. I like the message of it, you know, just little steps at a time to change into the better person you want to be. It's my favorite yeah, in the movie, in the show. Yeah. It's, yep. it's the most, for me, it's the most catchy. Um, it's really sweet. I love it. One of my favorite ornaments on the tree is it's the three of them, the Winter Warlock, Kris Kringle, and Topper, like mid-skip, like they're in the middle of that song. <gasps> I've never seen a Winter Warlock Christmas ornament, but I would buy it if I did. Uh, I think I saw it at Kohl's, but it was in the Hallmark section of Kohl's, so it might be okay. at any Hallmark. So just so you know. I may just wait and buy it on eBay, you know, in March when Christmas ornaments are super cheap on eBay. By the way, <laughs> if you want to buy Christmas ornaments, it's a great time to buy them is in May, in March. Then we get to the next song in the film, which is the other one I'm not overly fond of. And it's the other one, ABC Cuts for Time, when they air it on their channel. And that's the song, My World is Beginning Today, which Jessica sings after, I think, I think it's after Chris is arrested, isn't it? Yeah, it's when she realizes that. I do kind of like this. You arrested then? Okay. Um, I don't like this one at all. I don't really, yeah. I don't feel like it's a natural, it, it belongs in here. It's not, it's not natural. It feels like a forced song. Um, this is how I felt about Clarice's number too. I, yeah, I remember. Definitely. I remember that for sure. Um, and I, I, I could see exactly what you were saying there, though I didn't agree. But uh, here, it's just, it's just foreign and awkward to me. Mm-hmm. See, I, don't, I think, for me, it's not even so much... Well, I find it the most boring and forgettable song in the whole film, like I found Clarice's and Rudolph. But for me, it's not even the content of the song as much as what they choose to do with the animation during the song. Like yeah. we said earlier, it's... For me, this is the most acid trippy moment in the film. Like, I don't know what's going on or why they made these colorful decisions to have these backgrounds behind her when she's singing. Yeah. Like, it was just very weird to me. Yeah. I just have to say, I love the fact that we're discussing acid trippy uh, <laughs> elements in children's programming. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> it, it, it was the 60s and the 70s, guys, in fairness. Oh, this man. was what, 19, this yeah. was 1970, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so after this, we come to the most, well, I find the, one of the most beautiful songs in the film, which is their wedding song, a.k.a. What Better Way to Tell You. And that's where they're getting married under the Christmas tree. Yeah, they have the children's choir behind, um, singing behind them as Kluger is narrating what's going on. And I really, really like this scene. If I could change one thing about my wedding, I would have gotten married under a Christmas tree. I like the whole scene. Yeah. The scene is what made it. Like the visuals. Yeah. I, think, the, yeah. I don't think I would, I wouldn't put the song on the, in the car and listen to it, but I like the scene a lot. Okay. The final song of the film is Santa Claus is coming to town as sung by Fred Kluger Fred? as he's delivering the uh, mail to Santa. SD Kluger. Or Fred oh, Astaire, yeah, right? Fred Astaire, Sorry. Esther Kluger. No, you're right. Um, um, I, Fred Kluger sounds like Freddy Krueger, and I don't want to mix the two up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, can't, you cannot go wrong with Fred Astaire singing. No. No, you can't. We need to add this one to the playlist, guys. 
it's just it's such a joyful like version of the song too and i like when he's driving up to the castle like the winter warlock and topper and all the animals start hopping in the um mail truck i thought it was cute and then it was very cute. Out of the castle at the very end oh it was so much fun <laughs> we see we see santa in all of his glory in all of his glory and i thought he looked like a good santa of course way better than again i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you 100 percent. way better than rudolph santa yep <laughs> absolutely julia looks I like didn't. she wants to disagree i mean i i will totally give you that i like this santa better i do like this santa in, in every way better but I still think that his little skinny legs in reindeer are precious. <laughs> they are. I'll give you that. They are. I just like the way he looked more like Santa to me in this. Absolutely. Less, less cartoony. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, absolutely. A lot less cartoony. Yeah. I mean, the whole, um, the, the stop animation of this is even so much better than Rudolph was. Just mm-hmm. the years afforded them a lot more skill. And it also. And that's why it's. I think I think I had said that in the Rudolph episode because we were talking about how the voices didn't necessarily match up, but like the three years gave them, you know, they improved a lot and they improved even more. And I'm sure we'll cover it at some point. Um, by the time we get to the year without a Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, both mm-hmm. of which came after this. Um, yeah, there were st- they they were still off quite a bit on the on the the mouths for me, namely. Uh, when they were singing, but there's no way, there's no way when they made Rudolph uh, in 1964 that they would have been able to pull off the Fred Astaire dancing that they did. No. Yeah. Um, which is still, I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. I just, I loved, I loved the way that the uh, mailman danced. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I just like the mailman in general. I really do. So let's talk overall likes and dislikes and favorite scenes or quotes you might have. Yeah, I've got a quote. Um, it's when Winter says, you mustn't mind the tree monsters. Their bark is worse than their bite. <laughs> <laughs> I had that one down too. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Um, I like when they're, when they're talking about uh, when Claus is delivered to Burgermeister Meisterburger and uh, his assistant comes in and telling him, you know, you'll never guess what's on the porch. And he's like, what the milk the daily paper (laughs) like like there's no creativity there he's not thinking of what it could possibly be but it just for some reason that makes me laugh every time i liked chris's uh way of flirting i guess it was flirting with jessica when he hands her the doll watch out for that dolly ma'am she's a hardened criminal i hear (laughs) (laughs) i i we already covered it but i really liked when they were the kids were, were naming all the deer and they were about to show Rudolph. That, that was just. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. That was funny. That was it was. Funny. That was some, some humor for the parents there. So I really liked the voiceover at the end when um, the narrator was talking how there are some people in the world who still don't like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, poor misguided folks. They missed the whole point. Lots of unhappiness. Maybe so. But doesn't Santa take a little bit of that unhappiness away? Doesn't a smile on Christmas morning scratch out a tear crying on a Saturday? Not much, maybe. But what would happen if we all tried to be like Santa and learn to give as only he can give of ourselves, our talents, our love, and our hearts? Maybe we could all learn Santa's beautiful lesson and maybe there would finally be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I love that line. Mm-hmm. I do too. I thought, yeah, very exactly. sweet. 
I'm going to follow that up with one that's going to drive y'all crazy, (laughs) but I have to do it because, again, with the acid trip, it's when Dingle says, wiggle my ears and tickle my toes. Me thinks I see a baby's nose. It's more than a nose. There's a whole baby attached to it. Better call my brother. (laughs) Dingle, dingle, tingle, zingle. (laughs) What is it, Dingle? It's a baby, zingle. A baby what, wingle? A baby boy, tingle. I like babies, bingle. Our baby's the best baby of them all, wingle. Like... (laughs) Okay, so I'm glad you got all those names because when I was watching it, they, he was talking too fast for me to get them all down and I couldn't really do the <laughs> accent to like, get them all down. Could you imagine sitting around a table writing the script for this and that's what you come up with? So there, there was actually something I wanted to say about this movie and I think it was, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on about how this was out of, well, definitely out of Rankin-Bass specials we've covered so far, all two of them. It held together a lot better as a story than Rudolph did in terms of its extra material and everything. Mm. And it's coherent. It's pretty straightforward, coherent plot, despite an acid trippy scene here or there. (laughs) But um, this is the one, and I'm not saying they should do it. I don't want them to do it, but this is the one, if they were going to remake or adapt anyone, this is the one I could see them trying to do. Just because there is a good story there already not that rudolph wasn't mm-hmm. good i just meant there's a i could see the parts they would try to build and expand upon in this one better than mm-hmm. i could rudolph and I again can, i'm I not saying they should but yeah like the winter warlock for example we said he's just kind of there i could see them expanding on him and things like that mm-hmm. i think it'd be cool just to give him more get, give us more of a story related to him yeah he's a character i'd like to i would care to know more about Maybe one day he'll get his own straight-to-DVD spinoff like the Miser Brothers did eventually and the Misfit Toys did eventually. Yeah. Um, so I do have another quote, and it was, I liked when Santa... So I liked that Santa would deliver gifts multiple times throughout the year, but then he was getting so many letters. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to have to limit my journeys to one a year, but which night should I choose? I wonder... And then the narrator said, it wasn't a hard decision to make. They chose, of course, the holiest night of the year, the night of profound love, which, of course, was a perfect night for giving. Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. And that's all how, it's, that's how it all started. I really like that scene, too. That was my next quote I was going to read. I liked it. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's, it's a great quote. So I'll go a little funnier on, on, I loved it when they found Chris. And Tanta comes out and she said, a baby, what a splendid idea. He'll live with us and sleep with us and drink warm cocoa with us. It just seems so far out of left field for, a, for this tiny baby. I'm a, yes, I'm and actually, we all know that's true life with a baby. <laughs> By the way. Well, now I can't wait. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert, it's not true life with a baby. If you give a baby that much sugar, have fun. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to bounce off just go off the baby thing so the beginning of the film when the narrator's like so you want to know all about Santa huh well best place to start is at the very beginning when Santa was just a little baby and the little girl voice was like you mean Santa was once a baby and the narrator's like of course everybody has to be a baby at least once in their at lives at least once <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to understand more about that one too. Um, but speaking I, of babies as well, do you ever did you ever wonder why? Well, I always well I was wondering this watching it today. Like, 
So clearly the town, Somber Town, if the name didn't give it away, was a miserable place to live. <laughs> and clearly the people knew what the Burgermeister was like. I always wondered why, like, Claus's parents or whoever dropped him off there, thinking that guy would raise their kid. That annoyed me tonight when watching it. But Yeah, he would not be my first choice, that's for sure. No. <laughs> um, my last scene I want to comment on, I loved it when Santa, when uh, uh, I did love it when Santa gave the warlock his um, train and uh, he pulls that, that train out of his sleeve and somehow it's as big as Santa. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, the, the winter warlock or winter as he asks to be called is like, uh, but no one ever gives, them, gives mean old warlock a toy. <laughs> <laughs> it was sweet. So I have one more. Um, and I, we touched on it earlier briefly, but I like um, Kluger is talking about Chris made a list of all the children and the toys they wanted. He checked it over once and checked it over twice. He tried to figure out just who was naughty and who was nice. And then Chris said, well, I guess they're all pretty nice. I just <laughs> think that's a total Santa thing. Like Santa finds it in him to forgive every child. He doesn't actually bring coal. <laughs> He's a real pushover. He's, yeah, he can't say no to a little angelic child face. <laughs> so one interesting bit of trivia about this film as well, it was eight minutes into what is essentially a 40-minute film when you cut out commercials before Santa Claus had a line in this film. Hmm. Before he spoke his first line. So I found that interesting. That was really cool. But I didn't mind it because they still... He was still prominent, I felt like. They built him up enough silently that I didn't mind it. Which says a lot about the, about the story itself, I think. So, does this film pass the Linus test? On quite a few levels. I would agree with that. Jessica is less uh, infuriating as a human being. Or in Julia's case, it's less scary. And, uh, <laughs> She's the winter still scary. <laughs> the winter warlock just becomes so lovable when he listens to santa's uh you know you can anybody can be good if you choose to and he decides to be nice and then it's not even really character moments but the moment when they're talking about christmas eve being the holiest night of the year and then how mm -hmm. everyone should model themselves after santa after that uh Either of those two moments, Linus could have come in when the narrator was talking and been like, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. I really liked the fact that they mentioned the most holy night of the year. It had that little undertone of a religious element to it because I appreciate when uh, my Christmas movies and specials find a way to work in that, you know, true meaning into it. I do too, a lot. So Even if, even if the rest of the film did completely tear apart the 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 historical saint nicholas <laughs> the historic saint nicholas just your ongoing qualm with you not liking the idea of a mrs claus <laughs> which you said in the last episode and nobody like pushed you for more explanation on that he was a I... fourth century bishop of myra and lycia and right. uh, was a celibate who gave um, all of his gave all of his wealth and everything away. He didn't have any 
No family, no heirs, and uh, gave but things not, away to help people. But not every one of these films equates Santa with St. Nicholas. That is accurate. So, okay. I, so, I'll give this you one, so this one, for example, like maybe in a film where he's called Nicky or Nicholas or whatever, which he actually was Mrs. Santa Claus, so I could see why that could have worked to you. Like this one, he was Chris Kringle, not Nicholas Claus or whoever. You're right. So let's move on to final thoughts, and then we'll rank the film. So ladies first, Julia, final thoughts with this film. Yeah, so um, I'll probably continue to catch this one if it's on television. Um, maybe sit down and watch it, or maybe just have it in the background. Um, I don't have a ton of nostalgia attached to it, but um, of all the Rankin Bass, this one might be my favorite. Um, and... I definitely feel like I can appreciate it more watching it as a kid than I do as an adult because then I like to analyze what I'm watching and that makes me feel icky. So (laughs) I am going to put my child brain on next time this comes on television and just bliss out and enjoy the atmosphere and the songs and the Santa. It's a great Santa. Real quick, because you mentioned the atmosphere, like all Frankenbass films, it was a beautiful film, like all the sets. Like okay. even Gray Somber Town, it was really well done. It was very like nice to look at. Mm. What about you, Tom? It bores me. I, I it's the same it's the same thing that happened to me when I critically watched Rudolph. There were just things I didn't like and I was a lot more bored than I expected to be. Is so, a lot of that the child versus adult? And I like, think so. Why? Yeah. See, I didn't have that problem with this one. Rudolph, I definitely did. This one, I felt there was enough of a struck, straightforward, like, I felt they structured the story a lot and expanded upon the story a lot better than Rudolph did. So I didn't mind it nearly as much as I did in Rudolph. I can definitely agree with you on that, that it was structured and, and the story layout was better than Rudolph. But at the end of the day, I was just really bored by the story. Or actually, wasn't bored by the story. I was bored by the execution. So this is still my favorite Rankin-Bass special. And it, I would go as far to say it's my favorite Santa origin film ever. Even wow. now, as an adult, I really liked it. I liked they covered everything, explained everything. Except, you know how he was immortal, but I'll chalk that up to the winter warlock. Um, Here's how you don't die. Every time I see it on TV, if I'm f- <laughs> every time I see it on TV as I'm flipping through, um, I will stop to put it on and watch it. Or if I'm in the middle of something, even just to have honest background noise, but I'll stop on that channel to leave it on. Um, nostalgia definitely plays a factor. But um, not again, not as much as Rudolph. Like, whereas nostalgia definitely upped that grade a lot. Nostalgia wouldn't need to up this grade a lot because I could grade it without the nostalgia. But yeah, I liked it. So, ranking the film, Tom, since you're probably the most negative, how about you go first? Um, I gave Rudolph a 7.75. And I do have to agree that the execution and the story of this. Um, the production that that aspect in the production was better, so I'm going to give this a seven point eight. Julia, six point two five. Ten. 
You know one thing I can see, Anthony, on all of our specials? You have the highest rating. You really like your, your Christmas specials. I like them a lot. That's why I fought for them to be on a different list because I would judge them better. I'd rather watch them than any movie we've covered so far. That's really interesting. That is interesting. So uh, our TV special list as it is now, um, The Grinch is in at number one. Charlie Brown is in at number two, followed by Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and Rudolph is rounding up the pack at number four. So we did get some reviews the past few weeks. And just real quick, you'll probably notice we cut out a lot of the reading reviews and questions of the week and everything of us just to streamline the episodes a bit more. Um, And plus we get so much, we just feel bad leaving certain people out. So we just decided to start cutting most of it and just interact with you guys ourselves on social media. But um, we did get three really nice reviews the past few days. And uh, we're considering them little Christmas gifts to ourselves because we're always asking you to rate and review us. So we're going to read them. So Julia, do you want to read those for us? Yeah. We heard from Kiwi Dogie. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, iTunes review titled adding to my Christmas podcast canon five stars. And it said, I just wanted to share how much I enjoy your podcast. I found a way to you through the seven Santa's store podcast story, which I found as an avid listener of the can't wait for Christmas podcast. Great taste. My first listen of your podcast of a normal one of your episodes was the national lampoons one. I laughed along with you at all of the movie quotes and had a permanent smile for the rest of the day. I can't wait to hear more and get caught up with your past episodes. Keep up the good work, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Sean. So we also heard from Renko Nana, um, five-star reviews, well titled, So Fun. Um, she says, I stumbled on this podcast while looking to listen to something Christmassy. I've laughed out loud many times while listening this week. Once I find a good show, I typically binge listen, i.e. lore, you must remember um, this about Charles Manson, etc. This is now on my list, smiley face. By the way, hashtag not my Santa is so funny. <laughs> we would totally agree. <laughs> Guys, we just, got li- we just got listed with lore. I feel like that's an amazing Christmas present yeah. in and of itself. That's it a really big, is. yeah. Thank you so much, Renko Nana. We also heard from Megan Skiffington on Facebook. Oh, I love that last name, Megan. Skiffington. Yeah, it's a cool Um, last name. She said, she had something super sweet to say as well. She said, I love your podcast. I always listen to it first when I have a bunch of new podcast episodes to listen to. I'm sad yet excited that this week is the last one before Christmas, but I'm excited to see what the New Year's brings for you guys. Thanks for spreading the cheer year round. Thank you, Megan. That was so sweet. Thank you. We're excited, too, to see what the new year brings. So as always, guys, we cannot thank you enough for the kind words and the listens and and all of that. Um, Keep it up because we really love hearing from you, whether it's a review through iTunes, which helps us get seen in searches or on any of your podcasting, um, any of your podcast hosting services. Also on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, talk to us. We really want to meet you and get to know you as you're getting to know us. 
Couldn't have put it better myself, Julia. Well done, Julia. So we also got two Christmas wishes from two listeners, guys, which made me really happy. One was from Alan on Facebook, and he wrote to us, Merry Christmas from Denmark. Jolly good show, you guys. So Merry Christmas, Alan. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. (laughs) And then from Charlin, Forever Char, on Twitter, she wrote to us, Merry Christmas to you all and to your families. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast in the first episode, and I look forward to many, many more. Thanks, Charlin. Merry Christmas to you and your family, too. So Christmas wishes from our listeners, guys, that's just like top 10 list of awesome things to ever happen in my life. (laughs) We have awesome listeners. I'm so happy with them. We have the world's best listeners. I agree. really do. Literally the world's best listeners. People may have saw on social media we posted, we've been listened to in 36 countries. We have now, and 48 states, but now we've been listened to in 49 because we've finally been listened to in New Hampshire. So thank you, Michelle Pizone, for downloading us. Now we just need somebody from South Dakota, and hopefully that happens by the time this episode drops. I still cannot for the life of me believe that we've been listened to in Egypt before we were in South Dakota. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Those Patreon... Uh, supporters we have who give at least $5 a month got a little Christmas present in the mail from us. We hope you like it. Uh, we have official Tis the Podcast stickers that we that we really like a lot. Um, and I have decked out on my, my laptop and uh, we'll be putting one on my car. It just makes me feel really happy to see that. That's something we've talked about doing for a while and we were able to do this month. If you'd like to get in on that, um, Sign up for at patreon.com slash tis the podcast. Donate at least five bucks. Uh, and then you get all of our cool stickers and swag. We're going to be doing more. We're also going to be doing more bonus episodes. I know we were trying to do once a month, but the holiday season got kind of crazy. But maybe when things slow down beginning of the year, mid next year, we'll get more of those up for you. For sure. So yeah, please, if you feel so inclined, support us on Patreon. Um, but also keep interacting with us across social medias like Julia asked you to do a few minutes ago. We actually have a poll up and running for you guys on our Twitter feed, at TisThePod, for you guys to participate in if you haven't done so yet. And it is, we want you to answer the question, is Christmas in Hollis a good Christmas song? And I will tell you why we're asking this again. Because when we asked this the first time and we had a total of 20 listeners and now we're near, well, by the time this airs, we'll probably be closer to 7,000 listeners, listens. So I want to put this argument to bed for 2018 once and for all. Yes or no, please vote on Twitter. All of you. I want numbers like who came out for the Grinch poll if not more people than that. So please vote and settle this argument so we can put it to bed for 2018 and I can announce another controversial song in January that I like as well that Tom can get angry about the whole year. Ooh. <laughs> I, Tom, no joke, I have a list. I am I was intrigued. Th- I, was th- I was thinking to myself, what can I How can I troll if Tom? I retire Christmas and Hollis? And then I... <laughs> 
just wrote down a few, and I know exactly which one is going to be next after we put this one to bed. Although so, it won't be fully in bed because we're going to do the office Christmas episodes rather soon. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Me either. Mm. Um, I have a question for you guys. Did y'all do Secret Santas this year? We, I did. So just, yeah. Me and Sarah definitely did. What'd y'all get? In one Secret Santa, I got this beautiful Gryffindor tapestry throw. That is really awesome. And I also got, what was it? A Walking Dead board game, because I love The Walking Dead. And in another Secret Santa we did, it was more kind of like, um, it was like Nasty Christmas. So people bought gifts, not necessarily for a specific person. I got a Bluetooth wireless speaker, so I lucked out there. Nice. Yep. What about you guys? I got a delightfully scented candle a target gift card and then some star wars return of the jedi buttons and koozies and i got a magnet that says um i'm kind of a big dill and it's a big pickle which makes me very happy (laughs) that's very you julia that's very you yeah and then a gigantic york peppermint patty so it was highly successful Nice. About you, Tom? Yeah. I was really excited. I did the uh, uh, Reddit Secret Santa again this year. Um, and I am a big Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones fan. And mm-hmm. I got a Funko Pop for uh, Daenerys Targaryen and for uh, Tyrion Lannister. Oh. And then I got wow. a Game of Thrones banner that I've got to find somewhere to, to put up. Very cool. Very cool. was really excited. It was my first, I don't have any Funko, uh, Funko Pops yet. <gasps> or pop, I don't have any Pop Funko stuff yet, so I was really excited. I have a oh. ton. I have way too many. I love them. Um, I'm, I, I'm, a minim, I'm a minimalist, so I don't ever buy that sort of thing for myself. Um, I don't really like stuff. But I got to admit, when I got this in the mail, I was pretty excited. <laughs> so, Tom, why don't you announce for our listeners... The first post-Christmas film we're going to be doing to round out the new to round out the year. Well, actually, it's dropping on January first, so the first episode of 2018. So, for our first episode of 2018 on New Year's, we couldn't think of anything better than to combine Christmas and New Year and do the 1976 Rankin Bask Rudolph Shiny New Year. I'm due for a downer, and I'm excited. Well, I got Speaking a downer of- for you. I was going to say, speaking of downers, Julia. (laughs) Yeah, I got a downer for you. Only 365 days till Christmas. It's going to fly by, though, with this. Technically, zero days till Christmas. (gasps) That's right. Don't let those (laughs) post-depression, post-Christmas depression blues set in yet. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the next week when everything's still, all the trees and lights are still up. The 12 um, Days of Christmas has just begun, guys. That's right. Actually, if you guys could write into us and let us know how you deal with post-Christmas blues so we can get some ideas for ourselves and read them in the next episode, maybe, that would be awesome because I would like to know because I usually suffer from them pretty badly. I drink heavily. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
So until next time, guys, have a very Merry Christmas with your families and friends. See you next week. Merry Christmas, guys. See you next year. And curly head dolls, the toddle and cool. Elephants, boats, and kid cars, too. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus is coming, Santa Claus is coming.